In reality, it was just what is usually seen in the houses of people of moderate means who want to appear rich, and therefore succeed only in resembling others like themselves. There are damasks, dark wood, plants, rugs, and dull and polished bronzes, all the things people of a certain class have in order to resemble other people of that class. His house was so like the others that it would never have been noticed, but to him, it all seemed to be quite exceptional. Welcome to W5H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. A podcast where we explore ideas through books and discussion. I'm one of your co-hosts, Duki Danukaryanto. And I'm your other co-host, David Shu. Let's crack those books open and get started. All right, Luki, we are back on our quest to read all the great books. <laughs> we have just read that quote from Leo Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Illich. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Luki, it's great to talk to you again about books. Always a pleasure, Mr. David Chu. <laughs> all right. So before we dive into this thing, I'll just explain why we picked this book. We essentially picked this book because we had a rule that we're not going to read a book that I've already read before or either of us yeah. have read before. So yeah. that eliminated War and Peace. It eliminated Anna Karenina. So we're left with a novella, right? Which compared to those books, this book was about 100 pages long or less. And yeah. those other ones are 1,600 pages. So seemed like a good bargain at the time. It's definitely a breath of fresh air <laughs> after struggling <laughs> I, with I, some I, of the other ones. <laughs> I had plenty of time to go out and get fresh air this month because I wasn't <laughs> stuck inside reading as much. For sure. But yeah, so this was the book, The Death of Ivan Illich. And actually, this book, as I opened it, I re- I read the beginning. I'm like, I think I've read this before. So oh. I've, definitely, <laughs> I've definitely read the opening before, okay. the funeral scene. I've definitely read it before. And I, what I think has happened, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but this book actually appears on a lot of medical school curriculums because the book deals with the process of death. Mm. And so a lot of medical schools, when you're in first or second year, have this course where you're supposed to like, you know, engage with the art side of medicine. And this particular story or an excerpt of it often gets lumped together as part of the course reading material. So I think I've okay. seen some of it there because I definitely recognize the part where these dudes who knew Ivan Illich are attending the funeral, but in the back of their mind, they're all thinking about what they're going to do tonight after they get the heck out of there, yeah. right? which, which is something that probably most of us who have been to funerals can relate to. Mm-hmm. So... Why don't we dive in with our usual drill, the two-minute drill. Luki is going to lead us through what this book is about. <laughs> and this one might be shorter. It might be a one-minute drill. Let's hear it. Who is Leo Tolstoy? What is this novella about? So Leo Tolstoy, Russian writer, and apparently uh, Mr. David Chu's favorite writer of all. And it's unfortunate that we didn't get to re- read his other uh, favorite books. So I guess this is uh, like a small compensation, <laughs> a short compensation as re- relates right. to that. Um, so he, he's uh, a prolific writer, obviously talked about, uh, we talked about War and Peace, Anna Karenina. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But he very influential and influential in the writing world and he is almost always in the top writing list right Mm. um going through his his life i think he had like 13 kids (laughs) or something like that um and i don't know how many of them actually survived in there um had a grew up during like the the russian revolution and a, a lot of his works are in and around topics there and uh, I guess different 
aspects of of, of life and like death as as this one has suggested um yeah and i think he has a bit of a i don't want to call it a cult following but uh, he's definitely influenced a lot of different people i think i read somewhere in a biography that he influenced like uh, Mahatma Gandhi and some of his uh, views and things like that. So uh, yeah, very pl prolific writer and influence uh, in, in the world in general. When was he uh, actually alive? Uh, 18, late 1800s and he died 1910, I believe is where it is. So uh, okay. I have to go back and, and look exactly when he was born. Yeah, I was just <laughs> curious. Yeah. So he... Basically, well, that that's him in his life. Born, I guess, the the mid eighteen uh, hundreds. Died kind of nineteen ten, and um, this novella, I guess, is uh, one of the shorter works. Because how many pages is War and Peace? Like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of pages. Thousands. Sixteen hundred <laughs> pages is, is the version 1600? I read. <laughs> okay, so this is like one tenth, <laughs> uh, even less than that of his of his typical one twentieth. Um, 120th okay fine so it, it it starts basically at the funeral of Ivan Illich so the book is titled uh, the death of Ivan Illich so no spoilers there and uh, really it's a, a commentary around death so uh, they ta start with his funeral and then they, they go back in time and kind of how uh, the, the Illich family lived their life right so they uh, had a whole bunch of things in terms of um, how friends and co-workers were had had disputes at work where people were, were backstabbing and and uh posturing uh against someone else in the working world uh ivan Illich finds a new job and uh kind of positions himself does pretty well for himself and uh in one area where he ends up getting a good job finding a new house furnishing his new house he slips and hurts himself hanging a curtain and that's when uh, some of the um, other, I guess, plot devices come in, where from that pain, from that injury, uh, he st that starts his kind of downward spiral, right? It doesn't happen at, at uh, first, but then it c continually rears itself uh, at kind of important moments in his life. So they go through life and really try to kind of keep up with the Joneses, where they're trying to make more money, get more... Um, uh, I guess more stature in in the uh, working world and in in society in general, mm -hmm. and uh, through that there are some spousal disputes where he's not making enough money and and he, they're not able to do this and that and whatever, and uh, eventually at some point things uh, turn for the worse and that injury uh, starts. Uh, putting him down in a downward spiral towards, well, basically his, his untimely death, right? So uh, it talks a little bit about him uh, in different phases of uh, turmoil um, and, and pain and hallucination. And uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting um, reflection time. Well, at least when I was reading in terms of like, oh, if, if this is what death is like, <laughs> this is a very <laughs> scary prospect. So mm. ultimately at the end, uh, he, he, he does die. Um, but there's a whole lot of, uh, I guess, emotion uh, and, and contemplation that happens along the way. Right. So uh, yeah. Uh, what else would you want to add to that, Dave? I guess you hit, you, you covered all the main points. One thing I would add is that internally he doesn't realize 
the purpose of life until the very end right so right, he yeah. he's kind of just like you said keeping up with the joneses making money trying to attain status and this is temporarily fulfilling right mm-hmm. and he's he's successful right he's he's making good money materially he's doing well it's only when he gets sick and really really sick that he starts to look back on his life and starts to think maybe there was no point to any of this stuff and as he starts to feel this it leaves him with this feeling that his whole life was pointless Mm. right which is which is when you talk about fear and and you know scariness of this story that is actually the scariest part is when he has to contemplate this and at the very end he kind of comes to grips with it and, and his realization that it was all pointless and he accepts it is the way that he's sort of redeemed at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty bleak story, but actually very true to, you know, true to life, I think. Yeah. I, I think it's a reality that pretty much all of us will have to face. Well, obviously we'll all die eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, that That's a certainty, uh, but it's a matter of how we face it and I guess everything uh, along the way. So it's, it's an interesting uh, time to reflect on the meaning of it, right? So how many of us will go through life and look back and say, what was the point of all that? <laughs> Why did we do yeah. uh, any end or all of that, right? And, and I know throughout my life, I've already gone through a bunch of that um Mm. and that's why i kind of switched career paths but at the same time would i should i uh, have done something else (laughs) i don't know yeah this this is a book that makes you think so Mm -hmm. yeah so that's this that's the summary now let's let's just talk about the novella what did we think of it right we've come out of we've done almost a full season of this of reading these books and some of these books you come out right away and you're like that was a struggle or that was tough or you liked or not you haven't said anything about whether you (laughs) like this or not you did tell everyone this is my favorite author so i will stand by that but what did you think of this novella luki well i thought it was actually a very easy read right in the sense that obviously it was short but i mean it was very relatable and uh, actually, in our group of friends, we've had some conversations uh, about death, right? In the sense that we've had some folks, uh, well, not my, not me personally, but other folks around them, where there are folks around our age, younger than us, that have uh, untimely passed away. So we're mm-hmm. all like contemplating this. So this is almost a timely <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, contemplation and reflection for me. So as I was reading, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, definitely went through this. Um, and and thought thought uh, similar but different of it, um, so uh, I I think it's one where it's a good uh, call it like a seed planting for a lot of folks mm-hmm. where I don't know if one should read it in their in their twenties in their thirties in their forties but earlier on so they can start thinking about well what is the meaning of life for them right and mm-hmm. and is it all for naught because the traditional path is you go to school, you get a job, you get promoted and you keep getting promoted and maybe mm-hmm. switch to a few companies and keep getting bigger house, bigger family, bigger car, bigger, all that sort of stuff, that whole keeping up with the Joneses um, thing. And then, well, um, Ivan Illich is like, but it didn't matter. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What is the point of all this? Because uh, I can't even lift up my legs. I can't even get out of bed, right? Mm-hmm. What is the point of all this um, and, and all that, right? So it's, it's an interesting contemplation uh, for that. So I quite enjoyed it, right? Um, I, I would like to have had it longer and go deeper into some of the points is, is, is what I 
what I think. And maybe it's because we typically have the two, three hundred page books, if mm-hmm. not six hundred page Iliad or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they, this one has been seemed relatively uh, a breeze to read compare in comparison. Well, I'm happy to hear you say that. <laughs> maybe we need a little bit more Leo Tolstoy because we could <laughs> lift the rule. We could lift the moratorium on reading books I've already read and just read War and Peace. Yeah. Right. And that would give us all that and more in the greatest novel ever written. But anyways, that's War and Peace. We're back to talking about Ivan Illich. Yeah. I, I agree- 1600 pages. <laughs> Holy crap. I actually thought it was like, but anyway, <laughs> I will agree with what you said. I enjoyed reading this. It's a breezy read for people who don't read a ton. Right. If, if you need a little primer or an introduction into something that's really well crafted, uh, you know, from the past, but that's still relevant today. This book, this novel or novella really works. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the thing I really liked about it, and, and this is always true for me with Tolstoy, is I feel like he really understands the human condition. And yep. the human condition fundamentally is not any different in 2023 than it was in 1910 in Russia, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the problems that Ivan Illich faces, he, Ivan Illich could be living in downtown Toronto today right trying hmm. to buy a home in forest hill it's the exact same <laughs> thing right going to home depot and getting like the higher level toilet seat or something like right it's, it's right. the exact thing you know i've gone to home depot to hang up drapes i didn't know i was risking my life doing it but <laughs> but yeah so like totally i feel like this book is this this story is completely timeless it's beautifully written my only downside really like what you said it's just too short right it at times i felt like it's not really reading a novel right we're you always hear in writing classes they always say you know show don't tell which means Mm -hmm. show us the action right show us the events that are happening let the reader live through those rather than just recounting them and then this book does a lot of recounting so we're we we basically trace Ivan Illich's life from his early adult life to the time that he gets sick and it's all done in over like a couple dozen pages. It's pretty quick and brief, and it's just telling what he did, telling what he did. Later when he's sick, the book does flip, and it starts to show us the process of the actual illness, which I guess is the crux of the book. But I think yeah. it might have worked better if he did, if he expanded this thing. Like, I'm telling Leo Tolstoy what to do now. But, <laughs> but if he had written it more uh, in, a, in a showing way, and and really showed us some of the conversations he had with important people in his life showed us some of the major events of his life in the early part that might have balanced it a bit that's my only complaint and it's not even a real complaint because i don't think that's what this book was trying to do this book is really just trying to tell us about the illness process and and the reflection part of it at the end yeah i mean it's definitely one where uh it's timeless in the sense that uh, obviously, they they place it in in a certain era, mm. but the issues that people deal with are, are are so common, and it's it's easily relatable by everyone. In terms of your comment about, um, like it's it's a good starter read. It it is, but because the topic is a little bit like bleak and morose, <laughs> right? <laughs> you may not want to say, oh, this is the first book you should read ever, right? right. If we were to say, like in our in our uh, list of great books like w- would you want this as the the, the first one um, maybe not <laughs> but it's definitely a good example because it is so relatable and mm. uh, at so many levels at so many um, uh, points where whether it's death where whether it's like 
living or not living, depending on how you want want to think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, all the different like there's always spousal disputes and how you want to work with it, how you deal with coworkers and how they uh, work well with you or don't work well with you, how they are jealous of you, how they're not jealous of you, how all of these different areas. Yeah. Um, it's definitely relatable. But again, maybe not the, f- the first one you pick. <laughs> so like one thing I will say is like that I like about Tolstoy is that he really counters our modern impression of what Russia is. Because I feel like, because mm-hmm. we grew up in the West, like you and I have grown up in Canada, we have a very set picture in our head of what being Russian means, right? It means true, true. really stiff, serious, communists, you know, dudes wearing fuzzy hats <laughs> and marching around in military uniforms, because that's the image we were given growing up, right? Uh, about mm-hmm. the Soviet Union, right? And even now, you know, the Soviet Union's been gone for a few decades. The image we have of Russia is still kind of comes from that model, right? Mm-hmm. And we forget that Russia 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, they had a really affluent, bustling, cosmopolitan society, not unlike Paris, not unlike London. Mm-hmm. But whereas those other places have retained that feeling, you know, culturally, even till now, we've forgotten what it's like for Russia. So it's always kind of jarring to me when we get transported into the Russia of Tolstoy's time and then we see dudes hanging curtains, decorating their (laughs) house with bronze because it's just like, that's not the Russia I had in mind, right? Because I I grew up reading books about like the Soviet hockey team, right? And and these guys who are like shipped off to play for their country and living in the the barracks of the Central Red Army. Like this Russia that we're seeing here is affluent, they have all of the rich people problems that like capitalist North American society has. It's a it's a nice change of pace because it really illustrates how history has has changed and how we think about an entire country or entire peoples in a way that doesn't reflect the past anymore. Yeah, I mean, I know my view of that um, era of, of Russia would have been lots of like uh blacksmith hammers foundries yeah. and like molten lava pouring on things everybody doing manual <laughs> labor and things like that whereas this one is well they, they just i think he worked at that some sort of court and he played cards on the weekend yeah. and that sort of thing right uh and yeah it seemed like a fairly cosmopolitan life there um which we yeah don't normally think of for, for russia at, at that time yeah it just goes to show how much the Russian Revolution and then the rise of the communist state really changed the course of history in ways mm-hmm. that we can't really even realize anymore, you know, as mm-hmm. children of the 20th, 21st century now. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the thing I liked. Um, I actually don't have any real complaints about this piece. I really enjoyed it. I just feel like this is setting us up to read something a little bit more dense, I think. I, I think we need that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's what you said about um, the pace of, of it was a little bit quick in terms of, okay, he did this, he did this, and he went this, did this, this, right? So there wasn't, there was interesting sort of character building. Uh, I guess maybe some of the characters around him, but he is the, the focus mm-hmm. of it, so I guess it, it's intentional. And due to the, the brevity of the actual novella itself i i guess you couldn't really do much more with it so i guess it's a good thing that it makes you want for more right in terms of uh the character development or story or something else like the the 
death of Ivan Illich, like prequel or the three part saga <laughs> where it goes into <laughs> different parts of his life and and brings in other characters that that would be an interesting maybe uh, offshoot Let, let's talk about <laughs> some of the characters since you mentioned that what did you think of his wife that character is she real is she not real is she too much like a cardboard cutout of like you know the b-i-t-c-h wife like what's the deal <laughs> with her well i mean it's quite relatable I, I wouldn't say that not for <laughs> my wife but uh in terms of like the other wives you've had <laughs> of course <laughs> other wives i had come on right it's the stereotypes right so if you think of uh, like a tv show uh, that would be um, kind of what what you'd have portrayed right so but do you think it but we're talking about the the realness of this book standing the test of time do you think it rings true to like a real person because this is i think the one character that is runs the risk of becoming a bit of a caricature right like you said she's kind of like a tv show wife do you think yeah. she's real enough a again the miss of not developing the character enough it's it's very superficial right mm -hmm. so uh, you almost get only the the stereotypical bits in there so if there was more development to her character like uh if if there was like the death of ivan illich from the wife's point of view that would be a, quite an interesting read it probably like, would be different, right? It, it very much so. Where, where on her perspective, it's like Ivan Illich is is the D I C K, right? Right. <laughs> Basically, exactly. n never coming home and whatever. I'm here to to take care of the, the the kids, and I'm trying to live my life. And and here he is. And oh my gosh, now he's got the sickness and stuff, and I got to take care of him. But I'm a loving wife, so I'll take care of him. So uh, that I. I I can see the counter side of it too. So as much as it's it's like the caricature of of the the, the typical wife, uh, I can see both sides of it uh, as well, right? So uh, I think it it it's her character is uh, relatable in terms of what you'd kind of stereotypically see. But it would be nice if if you he was able to uh, I don't know add a little bit more to it um, and just develop it. Right? I, so. I guess the way that the story is constructed doesn't lend to that because everything exactly, is yeah. everything is from Ivan Illich's point of view. Right. Yep, the yep. moment he dies, that's actually the last word of the book and the book ends. So mm -hmm. we don't see anything that's not from his point of view, essentially. I yep. think there are a few passages that throw us what the wife is thinking internally. Right. Near, mm -hmm. near the end, there's a passage that jumps to me where... Um, we we hear that the wife is is acting like she's upset, but really deep down she just wants her husband to be dead <laughs> at this point with all the <laughs> suffering and and all the, all the nonsense that's happening. So that was the that felt a little bit jarring to me because I was like, how does Ivan Illich really know that that's what's going on in, in her head? But sure. but maybe that's how Ivan Illich perceived her at that point anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But it it is fundamentally from his point of view. I do think in the annals of bad relationships and bad marriages of which there are millions in the world probably some people do think of their partner this way as a caricature yeah. right they just become like this droning voice in the background demanding more money blah blah yep. blah i think i think that's probably kind of realistic it doesn't make her character real but i think ivan Illich's experience of being in this bad marriage which probably is at least half by his f own fault that part is real yeah, I, I mean, it points to a little bit of the whole, like, keeping up with the Joneses, but this is because of the wife, right? Oh, I need more of this, I need more of that, I need to go to more parties, more balls, more, mm -hmm. more of this and that. 
And that's the only reason, because if I, Ivan Illich had his way, he'd have a very simple life and he'd be more happy and stuff of that. So it's putting the blame outside. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was it was it was his choice for for a lot of these things. Um, so it almost puts her as 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 the villain, as the scapegoat of like, well, this is the reason why my life is this way because of my my wife, my greedy, uh, money grubbing wife. But at the same time, well, that's not entirely true. Right. He's right? complicit, but it, he's exactly, not admitting yeah. it. At least that initially, he's not admitting it. Exactly. Yeah. There are very few characters in this book, so that was that was the big <laughs> one. The other one yeah. that comes to mind that probably worth discussing is Garrison, who is mm -hmm. the personal support worker, the PSW that's looking after Ivan in the final days of his life. He <laughs> seems to be the one dude in the story who has a more balanced view of what life is about and what death and life are about. What do you think of yeah. that character? Well, I quite liked him, and and I like those types of characters where i mean their their goal is to, to serve and help others make make them comfortable and uh whatever they do they do it to the, to the best of their ability mm -hmm. and was always supportive of, of ivan illich even you tell them something to go away no sir i'm here to like lift up your legs or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here whatever it is uh so it's i, I like those kind of like very loyal characters that are, they're very helpful and uh, come hell or high water, they'll, they'll, they'll be there for you. Um, so I, I like those characters. Like how true it is. Like, I don't know too many people who know <laughs> someone like that, where like uh, th they'll be with you thick or thin, obviously like friends, best friends, but not as like a, a an employee or a personal support worker, right? I can't imagine too many people have that sort of experience. I think they do. Uh, that sort of experience. I think they do exist. I, I did mm -hmm. enjoy that. I'm sure they do. That he was portrayed as kind of a salt of the earth person, right? Like mm -hmm. he doesn't have all that much money. The job that he has is pretty, you know, it's a job nobody wants, right? He's like cleaning up after Ivan goes to the washroom, right? And, and doing hard labor essentially. But because it's, because that's the stuff of humanity, right? That's the stuff of life and death. And he's dealing with it, you know, it actually elevates him. Whereas yep. all these other characters, these lawyers, these politicians, their jobs are so nebulous, right? They're making more mm -hmm. money, they have more status, but they seem to have missed the whole point of what life is. But a person who's in the trench, salt of the earth, he actually gets it, right? I, I, I quite enjoyed that. I don't know if his character as an individual is super realistic, but I mm -hmm. think this idea, the themes that he represents are realistic. Yeah, and there tends to be one in many stories. Like, <laughs> what comes to mind is like Alfred and Batman, right? And and Bruce Wayne, <laughs> for whatever reason. Except that Alfred <laughs> was like a super genius who had actually fought in wars <laughs> and could conduct, <laughs> could do operations in the operating room. Hey, how do you know that Jerson couldn't? <laughs> right? The, the, the book was too short to be able to show, have, showcase he could have his skills. This case of appendicitis. But really, we didn't mention that. that <laughs> the thing that kills him is a bad case of appendicitis that Bruce sure. slowly after he pokes himself in the abdomen while fixing the blind, which, which then lends to this whole thing where to this day and age we take for granted that you know appendicitis is not really a life-threatening thing anymore. But sure. 200 years ago, these little illnesses, you know, you stub your toe, that could actually kill you. And it, sometimes it's kind of cool to read these books to place us back in those times to understand how lucky we are in this day and age. Yeah. 
and and part of what that spoke to me about is how a, a lot of men out there go out there and they hurt themselves and never get it checked out because <laughs> uh, I'll just work through it and they'll power through it in one shape or form, uh, whether it's appendicitis or whatever. Mm. And had they caught it early, had they known what it was, right? Obviously, in the medical technology of their age, they might not have been able to know what it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things where that is another aspect of the human condition that I need to be more mindful of is like, you know what, make sure to get all these things checked out, be more <laughs> optimal and like, don't, don't just uh, hope for the best um, and that sort of thing. So I don't know in your professional medical opinion, like how, like how often do you do it, right? Because you are the medical professional <laughs> and do you self-diagnose or do you get second opinions often? That sort of thing? It depends. It depends. I mean, it's, <laughs> it goes both ways. Sometimes you, the more you know, the more you worry about, right? <laughs> True. So yeah. it can be, it can be bad. I, I do think like from a, from a medical professional standpoint, reading this story, I felt like Leo Tolstoy really had a really good grasp of the whole medical process right Hmm. like the process of Ivan Illich getting sick of him seeing doctors he's quite critical of physicians I think as 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 the physicians start to see Ivan and they kind of hem and haw about what's actually going on they they go through the motions all the time of like raise your arm let me listen to this let me examine that when none of it really means anything I thought that was pretty clever well constructed and kind of fits in with a lot of what I think sometimes about the you know a lot of times in medicine there's like this song and dance that we're doing but it's not really <laughs> that you know it doesn't really help anyone at the end of the day sometimes it's even harmful it's kind of cool that he touches on this and that this was part of being a doctor and being a patient even a hundred years ago so that was kind of mm-hmm. cool there's a lot buried into this story really like he's touching on medicine he's touching on death like just a lot of hearty themes wrapped up in about 80 pages yeah talking about family a little bit where i think his son or his daughter uh is uh, supposed to get uh, engaged to someone Mm. and maybe married and things like that and uh, then his son is close to his deathbed and stuff of that right so there are a lot of different aspects of of uh children as as well what did you what did you think it told us about parenting since you and i both parent young kids and this is a thing that's always on my mind and he touches a little bit on parenting or the absence of Ivan Illich's role as a parent. What did you think of what Tolstoy was saying there? Well, it goes back to the, I don't know, maybe antiquated role of the, of the father where you're the breadwinner, you're the provider, you, you make the money, uh, and then you go home (laughs) and, and that's about it. Right. Versus now it's more like, you should be playing with your kids, spending time with them, and like uh, helping them to to, to grow as, as as people, as humans, and, and all that sort of stuff, where it's taking a more um, active role in parenting mm-hmm. versus just making sure the bills are paid and, and expenses are covered, right? Because it's the called the absentee father type of thing. That's, that's the stereotype type. And part of it to me is his reflection on whether life is worth living too right should he have been home to spend more time with with the kids and and the family and things like that was that more important than being at the office playing cards with his friends and and stuff like that mm-hmm. right so it, it spoke to me on, on on that side so what what about for you similar i mean i think he he spells it out pretty clearly right he definitely mm-hmm. makes this comment that i found interesting where he there's a sequence near the end when 
Ivan Illich starts reflecting back to the scenes of his life, right? Which I guess mm. is supposed to be that classic thing where on your deathbed, you start to flash back through all the major events <laughs> in your life. And he comes to the yeah. conclusion that all the best stuff happened when he was a child. And then mm. he became a student. And there were still some good scenes, but there weren't as many. But by the time he became an adult, almost nothing good happened anymore, right? So yeah. it speaks to, you know, the beauty of childhood, for sure, and mm. how we kind of lose that childlike pleasure and innocence as we become adults i found that particular theme very relatable <laughs> you know as we're slogging through adulthood trying to juggle all these different things it seemed like a something worth considering you know what have we done to ourselves as adults that we cannot recapture you know the joy of life which children seem to be able to find yeah I think it's a good reminder for me because what I've been trying to do with with my own kids is whenever the kids ask, hey, daddy, can you come and play this? Sometimes it's a not now, I have stuff to do mm. versus a, oh, <laughs> is this stuff really important? Maybe I should stop and, and play right. because oftentimes it's really not that important. Right? Yeah. And if I did stop and play at, for a little bit, it probably would do him a lot of good and me a lot of good at the same time, right? So I think it's a... I don't know if it's exactly a reminder of that, but because I had that in intentionality before, mm -hmm. it definitely is a reminder for me to, to do more of that. Now, Tolstoy doesn't seem to specifically say out loud what the meaning of life is. Mm. He actually says what the meaning of life isn't. So we know it's mm. not hanging up curtains. We know from the intro <laughs> it's not having a well-decorated house, right? Because that yep. just looks like everyone else that's trying to look rich. Um, we know it's not your job. So what do you think he's saying? What has he said to us in this novel about what the real point of it is? Well, again, as you said, he doesn't really say what the meaning of life. So I think it's it's up to us to, to determine and, and define it for ourselves. Mm. So uh, almost question to say, like, what are you doing this for, right, is, is a lot of what... Uh, Ivan Illich starts doing like what? What is this for? Like, why am I doing this? Wow. So, uh, yes, I I got a job, got promoted, job promoted, got promoted, mm. but for what? Like, it, so we know that's not it. So, what's what's the alternative? Maybe don't get promoted mm. <laughs> and spend more time doing other things and exploring different passions. Uh, don't worry so much about the, the bronze statues and things like that. Like, does that really matter? Mm. Let's focus on maybe it's family, maybe this and that. So I think part of what he's not saying is saying explore those options to see whether or not that's the right path for you. Um, so that could be part of uh, what, he, what he's saying as, as, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, this is from outside the book, but we do know that Tolstoy was like a, a pretty serious Christian later in his life. Mm -hmm. I don't actually know when he wrote this book relative to his religious beliefs, but it does make me wonder if, because he does specifically doesn't really talk about religion in this book. Mm -hmm. And that would be the obvious counter to the materialism that Ivan Illich is living through, right? That, that mm -hmm. maybe, you know, Tolstoy's hinting that, you know, you could find meaning through other things like spiritual meaning through Christianity or or meaning through these other things you're mentioning for sure like the relationships like it seems like ivan has done a really good job of like butchering his life right he he's, he married a woman <laughs> he has no interest in he doesn't spend any time with his children his job is basically pushing paper it doesn't seem to really help anyone he has money but not little else right so yeah he, so i think if we took the opposite 
then basically Tolstoy saying all of those things are bad. Do the opposite of everything I've been did, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of works for me. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where if you can at least ref- take some time to reflect. I mean, I guess if, if you want to follow what Ivan Illich did and you take comfort to say, like, no, that that's a meaningful life for me, maybe you could still uh, connect it and, and, and still do all those things. And it's a matter of uh, are, is it, are you doing that purposefully and because you want to do it or is it just expectation i thought that's what everybody else is doing so i'll do it too right that that sort of uh meaning of life discussion all right we've talked about the book here's the question we have we have this season we've read nine books this is the ninth one all of which are considered greatest novels of all time they appear on various lists i don't know different numbering of the list but every book we've chosen has been on some list yet the mm-hmm. two of us have not been able to agree on a single one of them actually <laughs> being on the l- list for ourselves. Like we haven't, mm-hmm. it, except for maybe 100 Years of Solitude. Did we agree that that book should be on the list? I, I think that was, it was a close one. Like out of all of them, it would be the front runner for me. <laughs> all right. right. Because it had, it had so much <laughs> in there, right? But so. it's a very weird book. But anyways, you can listen it's to that podcast book, again yeah. to hear our discussion. But <laughs> how about this book? Is it a masterpiece of writing? It's a very well written book, right? And and it does speak to a lot of the aspects of the human condition. Mm. Very relatable in that sense. Um, very well written. I guess it's one of the the question is, if I were to say that hey, someone only had a, a limited number of books to to consume. All of us have a limited number be... of days on this. Well, planet. so so let's say it's it's ten or like a small number, yeah. right? So would this be in my top ten, my top twenty, or something like that? I I'm I'm not sure, right? Because I think it is a great life lesson. It's almost like I think there's a book called something to the effect of like regrets of the dying or something like mm. that where it contemplates uh it's, it's i think a story of um like a hospice uh nurse or someone uh, recounting everybody who's dying and, and what they think about so it's a, it's it's akin to that where it's the discussions of like the meaning of life uh death and all that sort of stuff like questions that we don't often con- contemplate until we're like like close to yeah. <laughs> the, the end of life versus uh that's why i was wondering like should this be uh i don't say required reading in high school probably not but but like it in midlife or something just to say okay hey you're halfway through should you be thinking about things a little bit differently maybe maybe not or maybe do it earlier like hey this is a a graduation book so now that you're starting your (laughs) life contemplate things i think it should be read at different points in your life you will probably see it from different angles because when you're coming out of high school you might not be able to relate to it that well. It might seem all obvious to you, right? Like, like most of these ideas that money isn't everything. We get, we're told this a million times before we turn thirty, right? Money isn't everything, yeah. right? Like relationships matter, you know, etc. But we hear it, but we don't hear it, right? And then you get yeah. into adulthood, you probably need to read it again and then reevaluate. And you get into your fifties, you probably should read it again. I, I think this is a it's a really powerful statement that way, but is it a masterpiece of writing? Does it go in the pantheon of great books? I'm gonna 
agree with you. I don't think it quite makes it because it's a little bit short. It it has a very powerful message, but it's not a thing that I would point at to people and say, no, no, if you read one book by Leo Tolstoy, it has to be this one or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like if you, it, if you, you got to read this, it's not really like that. This, the, people should read this. It's great, but it's not quite there. And I think it's just because it's too, it, it's not ambitious enough. It's, it, it's yeah. just like a small work. It's a preview of something we're going to read later. Yeah. I think what you're trying to do is convince me that War and Peace is the next <laughs> novel is essentially where this is. Uh, no, no, no. The, we the don't have to read right 69 pages <laughs> in December 2023. But but uh, at some point, we should read it. At some point. Uh, yeah. Maybe broken it up where, where we do like in quarters or something like that or in halves instead of the entire. All right. So we've, <laughs> so we've gone almost the whole season. We haven't inducted a single book into our master list of of the pantheon of masterpieces but that's okay yeah a few honorable mentions but yeah <laughs> we have high standards on that note so we're not going to read war and peace now because through the making of this season i've decided we need to continue reading fiction we're going to file that into our to-do list and we're going to get to it somewhere in season three right but <laughs> we have a thing we're not going to repeat authors during season two we have 10 books 10 different authors 10 different little slices of literature. So what is the 10th book going to be, Luki? To Kill a Mockingbird. All right. I don't know much about this. I know my sister was really into this thing when, when she read it in school, and it seems like something I should have read because this book gets talked yep. about a lot in this day and age. So I, I feel like this is a good choice. Let's try to induct yep. one into the masterpiece list. <laughs> Let's see if it's uh, last but not least. And uh, yeah, if we get something on the last <laughs> it's one. It's tough, though, because so far, Homer hasn't been able to make it. Jane Austen <laughs> couldn't make it. Ernest Hemingway mm -hmm. didn't make it. This is tough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, we'll see. Good, good luck to Harper Lee. <laughs> all right. We will see you all in a month's time. Pick up To Kill a Mockingbird, have a read, and then join us for our discussion in a few weeks. See you later, folks. Take care. It's not a question of appendix or kidney, but of life and death. Yes, life was there and now it is going. Going and I cannot stop it. Yes, why deceive myself? Isn't it obvious to everyone but me that I'm dying and that it's only a question of weeks, days? It may happen this moment. There was light and now there is darkness. I was here and now I'm going there. Where? A chill came over him, his breathing ceased and he felt only the throbbing of his heart. 